So again, a uh, scenario that we can think about, uh, communication is important in that, um, but sometimes conflict is inevitable in our marriage relationships. We're going to talk about here resolving conflict, fighting together. Uh, you've got a handout in front of you. Some of you do. Some more copies are coming. We had some, hey, Emery's got them now. So if you need a copy of the handout, raise your hand and she'll get those to you. Uh, great. Uh, a few tables in the back there. Um, and we'll get as many to you as we can as we keep making copies this morning. Uh, again, you can use this. You can use your Home Life Cafe uh, notebook as well to take some notes. But we're calling this uh, Resolving Conflict, Fighting Together. Uh, here's a few things uh, that we fight about. So what we've realized in our marriage relationship that conflict is inevitable. Um, I've got another uh, example here, another video of some things that couples often fight about uh, that we can watch here for a second. What are you doing? Drying my hands. Those are the decorative towels. You can't use them. Why? Because they're decorative. Then why are they out? Because they're decorative. That's literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That is disgusting. Can you please go do it in the bathroom? Why? I don't want to miss the dessert round. No, you do this all the time, and I'm constantly finding people. I don't know where that went. How wonderful life is. Now you're in my world. My no, world. No, it's it my is, world. No, it is the world. Close all the way. Close all the way. Close all the way. Isn't that nice? Don't give him that. His stomach can't handle it. He'll get sick. Oh, he's a cat. He's fine. Told you. Shut up. Did you take a lactate? No. I'll be fine. Told ya. Shut up. You know where I saw this earlier? The bathtub. Oh yeah, I needed to scrub it. Yeah, but I just found it in the sink. I needed to do dishes after. What? It touched soap. If it touched soap, that means it's clean. You can't just make up your own rules to suit you as we play the game. Well, stop taking the fun out of it then. I'm not taking the fun out of it. What takes the fun out of it is when you cheat. All right, so again, examples and pictures of uh, things that we sometimes fight about. Um, here's the things that we find often that we fight most often about, or couples that we meet along the way fight about. Uh, free time would be one of those things. So how you spend your time in the evenings or your weekends, uh, that's something that we find often that we've struggled with working out, working through. How is it that we're going to spend our time uh, when we're not committed to uh, work or church, or other things that we've made a commitment to together, how we spend our free time. Uh, money is one of those things. We shared some of those struggles with you, again, on Thursday night, but again, we find often that couples, um, and we find ourselves struggling about money. Uh, housework would be one of those things. Who's responsible for what? How often something needs to be done, or who did it last? Uh, physical intimacy is one of those things that we find couples often fight about. And then extended family relationships. We were with your family last Christmas. Uh, we get to be with my family this Christmas. How involved our extended family is in our lives. Those times are often things that we find that couples fight about. Again, what we find often is that conflict is inevitable in our relationships, specifically our marriages and our families. Sometimes our conflict is over trivial things, right? Like um, how much the drawer is closed or not closed. Uh, but sometimes it's more intense and more serious than that. As I shared with you last uh, message uh, that I'm a middle sibling, which means I'm a really great instigator, uh, but I've learned also how to become a good conflict resolver because of that. Um, I will also get into our marriage relationship with this idea of being a competitor that I will win and you will lose. Again, unhealthy things that we're working together and learning to, to walk through. Um, Mags, why don't you share a little bit just about your kind of background and what you've learned about conflict uh, in our marriage relationship? So, um, like Brent said, he grew up 
voicing everything. You know, if he thought it, he said it. And um, I grew up totally opposite. So um, a Christian home, but, and again, I want to give my parents a lot of grace because we all know if we could do it over again, we would. But unfortunately, you have to learn on your kids, right? So, um, but growing up, my mom um, thought for a while that if you um, challenge her, then you are rebelling. Or if you even voice your opinion, then you're rebelling. Um, if it's anything, anything even slightly different than what she decided was right or wrong, um, then if you even look at her the wrong way. <laughs> I remember my mom marching up me up to the mirror, look at your face. This is a rebellion, you know, <laughs> because I wasn't smiling uh, whenever she told me something I didn't want to do. So I learned at an early age, just, you just stuff everything so that you're not showing rebellion. And, um, and again, we were believers, so I kind of got some things twisted with God. And I started believing that if you're super spiritual and if you're really close to God, then what you do when you, when you have conflict is you just pray about it and you ask God to change you. And then you never mention anything. You just hope that God somehow changes you, and it, then it just somehow works out. So as you can imagine, we entered into marriage, and Brent's yelling his stuff when he gets mad, and I'm going sinking lower and lower into um, being quiet. And um, this is kind of a funny story, but he was really great, though. He would tell me, he's like, Maggie, I don't know what you're thinking. You have to say why your face looks like that. Like, I can tell you're not fine. So would you tell me what you're thinking? And I'm like, no, I'm praying about it. It's going to be fine. I'm, God's going to fix my heart. And he would, uh, he would be like, but I might be wrong, which I wasn't used to hearing, you know. And he would say, I'm not, I don't know if I'm wrong if you don't tell me what you're thinking. And it, I mean, to this day, I'm starting to finally say, by the way, you're being a jerk. Like, that's a big deal. Guilty. Always you know? guilty. But, like, it's taken me years. And one day um, before I got to that point. Uh, we're spending the night at my sister's house in Arkansas. Extended family situation. Which yep. is where my family's from. And for some reason, we had the most intense fights in Arkansas. I almost dreaded going to see my family because I'm like, I don't know if we're going to make it back as a couple. <laughs> we would just like, I literally, we didn't know what to do with each other in Arkansas. And so we'd pray up and um, spend the night. And Brent is, again, it's like a midnight and he's wanting to work this conflict thing out. And I'm like, Finally, I, I ble completely blew up, and I started cussing like a sailor, and I was like, you, blah, 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 and all of a sudden, Brent stopped talking, and his eyes got really big, and he was like, okay, 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 you're, you're right, yeah, you're right, <laughs> and what I learned that day, which I'm not recommending this, but if you don't normally cuss, then when you do, it's very effective. <laughs> and so, and now again, God, I have the Holy Spirit. He told me those are not good words, okay? <laughs> but, but that it was important to actually use some words, okay? But just pick different words, you know? And so, um, so I've been learning over the years, like, it's good. Like, you have to get your things out. And the good thing about being mar married to your best friend is it's not always going to be pretty at first when you get it out. Sometimes you just have to kind of uh, throw it up, and then you sort through it together. But the important thing is that you bring your real self to it and so that you can actually work on your junk together. 
question that we keep finding is that if you're around somebody for a period of time, it's not an if question, it's a when question. When is conflict going to rise? Even when we're on mission together, even when we're serving God together, even as a team, even though we're on this path together, when you're around anybody for a certain period of time, it's not an if question, it's a when question. How then should we think about this thing called conflict? What should the goal be of conflict? We've got four things that we're going to unpack for you. What is the actual goal of conflict and doing healthy conflict resolution? I believe the goal is these four things. It should be less frequent, less intense, which would be less cussing like a sailor, I think, in that category, uh, unifying and making God look good. And we're going to unpack those things for you. I just wanted to pause and I want to reiterate that we, we have not arrived at this, okay? Um, you didn't get professionals that have arrived. You got struggling along people that are still figuring it out with Jesus, so I actually almost want to mark out less frequent because now that we're traveling on the road, all of a sudden we have new issues we didn't know we had. And we are actually in conflict a lot throughout the day. So I just want you to know that so we're not hypocrites. So. But that doesn't mean that's not the goal. Right. We want to be less frequent. That would be helpful. <laughs> all right. So we're going to start uh, with that one. The goal to be less frequent. Uh, notice I'm not saying, we're not saying the goal is no conflict. I think this side of eternity, that's just not going to happen. Okay. Um, I've met married couples that say they never fight. What I've discovered in that conversation with them is they don't spend any time together either. Okay? Uh, it is possible to have no conflict if you have no overlapping parts of your life, but the goal in a healthy marriage relationship where you're spending time together, you're on track together, is to actually have some conflict but do it less frequently. Uh, that looks like being in proximity to one another. That is happening, uh, it means if you're happening where you're not having any conflict, that probably means that you're not headed the same direction. You're going opposite ways or you're too far apart. Okay, your lifestyles are not intersecting at all if you're not having any conflict. The goal is to be in proximity, and in that proximity, you will actually find that you have varying degrees of opinions about things, and conflict will arise from that. I think it's unhealthy perspective to say our goal in our marriage relationship is to have no conflict. Okay, that's not the goal of the objective here. Don't set a goal that you can't achieve. You'll just be really disappointed. Uh, we had more conflict early and often in our marriage, and I remember feeling frustrated at points and going, we should be past this by now. And the reality was, in some ways, we should have been, but I was also saying we should not be having any conflict at all. That was an unrealistic goal or expectation that we had. What we're finding even now is moving into a small trailer and traveling from place to place and radically changing their patterns of life have caused us to reevaluate some things and to have a new conflicts again. So again, the goal is not to move past it. It's just to have it less frequently in the same kinds of areas where you're not rehashing the same things over and over because you're moving towards things together. Again, not all conflict is bad because it helps us become more like Christ when we're doing it in the right kinds of ways. Occasional conflict we're finding is actually normal and healthy for a good marriage relationship and even a good parenting relationship. Good conflict, um, occasional conflict is normal and healthy. Uh, less frequent also means this, that you're continuing to sharpen one another. I love this picture from Proverbs, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another, okay? This is a picture of all of our relationships, but certainly should be in our marriages and in our parenting. We should be sharpening one another, helping us become the best tool for what God created us to be. Again, I grew up on a farm, so I know something about the importance of tools in cultivating good ground and growing the produce and the crops. Sharpening ensures that your tools are in proper working order. As we sharpen one another, what we're doing is ensuring that we individually and collectively as a family or as a married couple are in proper working order. We're pursuing and moving towards God's together. 
Again, may you maybe be saying here, well, we've arrived, we don't have conflict at all anymore, and I'm asking you this, do you have a pulse? Okay? Are you breathing if you are not having any conflict with those people that you're around? Maybe it is that you're not, but is it because you're completely far apart in your relationships in these ways? Again, I hope that as you go further along this married life, you're having less conflict, especially over similar things, but I hope that you're still having some because it means that you're sharpening one another. Final picture here, I think, looks like this, that you don't ignore conflict. Okay, it's really easy for us, and Maggie would say this was a struggle of hers earlier in married life, of just ignoring and acting like nothing was there, because sometimes that feels more spiritual. There are places and times where you push pause, and the timing of addressing that conflict matters, but I think ignoring it is never a solution that's recommended in God's Word or helpful for your relationships. Just an example, like just recently I was really struggling with something, and like it was, it was very hard. And but I was ashamed of the struggle because I thought, well, I should be beyond this. And um, and it's something that I brought up to Brent before, and it's it's hard for him to know how to deal with it. So um, so I was stuffing it, and um, and I was praying, doing my old thing. I pray, I get better, and then we don't have to deal with it. But what happened was I wasn't getting better. I was just um, I was getting further apart from Brent. And so finally, just like two nights ago, I, um, uh, I was like, oh, gosh. I'm like, ah, I have to tell you something. And so I just spilled it all out, and he was kind and like, oh, I didn't know you were struggling with that. And I'm like, yeah, thanks for listening. We talked through it, and, um, and it was like a breakthrough again. Now I felt close to him again. And so I don't know why I told you that. Oh, don't ignore. That's why I told you that. Yeah. So as you ignore it, you start to begin up these barriers, these walls that keep you from being close. I couldn't explain what was going on, but I could feel and sense some of that when she began to open up and be honest about that and no longer ignoring the conflict that was there that helped us push through and become close together. And I'm glad we're feeling closer together than we were a couple nights ago, okay? So we're still growing along with this. A picture, couple picture for you. So uh, I love classic cars. A Porsche is kind of my dream car, okay? Um, I don't have a way to haul a Porsche uh, behind my 57-foot trailer uh, right now, but if I uh, could or if I could afford one of those, that would be my car of choice. Um, I also live in southwest Michigan. We have a thing called rust uh, that happens pretty frequently on automobiles uh, from the snow and the salt. Uh, it erodes the cars pretty quickly. Imagine I have uh, this Porsche of mine and I start seeing this little rust dot begin to develop. Okay, I have a couple of choices. I can begin to address that rust spot early on or I can ignore it. If I choose to ignore it, what's going to eventually happen is my Porsche is going to wind up like this, right? Um, that would be a pretty sad outcome goal, but what I find sometimes in our relationships is that we begin to ignore conflict and act like it's not there. Just because you're ignoring it doesn't mean it's not there. If you feel like there's no conflict, does that mean your spouse feels like there's no conflict? Ask your spouse those questions. Is there anything that we need to walk through, talk through, be working on together? Just because you don't feel like it's there doesn't mean your spouse doesn't or that it isn't actually there. Begin to be addressing and talking through those things that will help you. So again, be in proximity, continue sharpening and don't ignore. will help you have less frequent conflict. But again, I think normal, uh, healthy conflict is a good thing, a beneficial thing, as long as you're addressing it in these ways. Um, it should be less frequent in the same areas, but it should continue happening as you continue sharpening one another. Second goal is this, being less intense in our conflict. Um, this picture, iron sharpens iron. Uh, it gives this picture of the, the sharpening and, and some intensity, okay? It takes an incredible amount of heat, of intense, concentrated heat to sharpen those tools. Uh, but here's what it should look like. As the metal gets worked more, as it gets close to the end product, the sparks begin to fly less. 
in our conflict, as you begin to shape in one another, sharpen one another, the spark should fly less. Um, but again, it should continue and it should happen. But the spark should be less intense. Your conflict should be less intense as you move forward in your relationships. Here's the danger with that. The longer you know somebody, the longer Maggie and I are married, the more time and history we have together, uh, the more uh, older my kids get, the more I know how to push their buttons. Okay? I know pretty quickly now how to push Maggie's anger button uh, if I choose to do that. I know how to create the sparks that will create that environment pretty quickly for her and for my kids. The danger is that I know better how to do that. The challenge is, am I willing to do that less often so that we have less intense conflict? Again, speaking softly helps minimize that in some of those ways. I believe we have this less intense approach by beginning to avoid anger. Proverbs 15, 18 says this, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Again, in our married relationship, what I discovered is I was pretty hot-tempered early on. Maggie was better able to have slow to anger response, but we both had times where our natural tendency, our desires, responding to our emotions, to our feelings, to our flesh, caused us to be hot-tempered, and that only sparked things more intensely, did not allow us to get to good resolution quickly, did not represent this right picture of God to the world. But when we could be slow and calm in our demeanor and our approach, that helped tremendously in those ways. Anything you want to add to that, Megs? I just think that, so my kids kind of teach me how to parent sometimes, and um, when my kids are really angry, you know, one person will say something, you're an idiot. Well, you're a worse idiot. Like, they just keep <laughs> going back and forth, and, um, and I tell Gideon, or I tell my kids, if one of you will just change your voice, just one of you, and if one of you will just say something gentle, then you should, I'm like, you should try that. I like double dog dare you <laughs> and, um, and see what happens. And so one time Gideon, my oldest, you know, firstborn responsible guy, he decides that he's going to try it. And he does. He changes his voice and it like completely took all the heat out of that argument. And the Holy Spirit was like, you too, Maggie. Like when you and Brent are going at, if just one of you will lower your voice or say it gentle, like, babe, I know that this is frustrating, but then it's amazing how it deflates the situation, so. Next way I think you do that again is simply by speaking kindly, so Maggie gave that example there, but uh, this idea that you can just uh, throw more heat, more fire to be able to extinguish that is just not the picture that's going to work. You've got to actually take steps to speak kindly, to not be angry so that you can diffuse that situation and work through it easily. Not resolving conflict will escalate that scenario. Resolving conflict as it comes up uh, begins to extinguish it. Speaking kindly is the approach to doing that. Proverbs 15.1 gives us a picture of that. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Again, we talked about that last hour. This ways that our response and our tone matters in being able to resolve conflict well. Uh, maybe in some ways uh, you don't feel like you're having conflict because your spouse is just simply giving up trying, okay? Maybe they've spoken kindly to you for a long time, but they've just begun to be quiet. They don't even enter that argument with you anymore. They're just willing to let you walk over those things. Again, as somebody that's a very competitive-oriented person, there were points in our married life where I realized that I had just um, domineered um, and spoken so harshly for so long in this area of conflict that Maggie was just completely withdrawing. We begin responding with softness. I think that soft answer can begin to draw things out of your spouse as well when you find that. Uh, men, especially for us, but I think it can be for ladies too. A hammer is not your only tool in solving those problems. 
Okay? Beating that into the ground is not the only way that you can solve it. There's lots of other tools that you can turn to. Softness, kindness, right timing, a listening attitude will help you be able to resolve those things. Less intense, again, I also think it just helps to ask questions. OIC, we're going to unpack what OIC is. It's at the top of your sheet there. Observe, uh, interpret, clarify is what OIC stands for. What we're finding is when we walk through this exercise with each other um, and asking questions through this lens, this helps tremendously in us understanding what's going on with the other person, but then also resolving and working through uh, conflict. Uh, when we have noticed or see something that's causing us uh, distress or we feel like is unhelpful in our relationship or with our kids, uh, we begin by saying, this is what I'm seeing. Realizing that I don't have the only and full picture of that, but being able to tell Maggie, this is what I'm seeing in this situation, uh, begins to open that dialogue in those ways. This is just what I'm seeing. Again, realizing that she may have a completely different picture, helping her see what I'm seeing begins that process well. Interpreting, this is how when I see that, that makes me think or feel. Okay, because our emotions, our feelings do matter in having a good relationship and being able to work through conflict. How things make us feel do matter. So we've got to be able to help our spouse or our kids understand that what you're seeing and how that makes you feel is an important next step. And then this last part, just equally as important, clarify, am I missing anything? Again, realizing that I'm only one part of the observation of the situation, realizing there's a whole other set of things going on sometimes. Uh, why don't you tell us some stories about when I would uh, come home from work and uh, not do this and what yeah. I'm learning through it. So we're both really good at assuming the absolute worst <laughs> about each other. Like that tends to be our default. So when he would come home from work really late, you know, and I would assume, literally, I assumed he's sitting there at his desk in his peaceful office, everybody else has gone home, and he's, check and he's checking sports or Facebook for an hour. And I thought, that's what he's doing while I'm over here suffering with our children, you know. <laughs> and so, and then he'd come home from work. And, um, and what really would happen is he had a really intense meeting or he was behind because people keep interrupting him all day. But I never assumed that. I just thought he was being lazy. So, uh, but he'd come home from work and he'd, he'd see that the house was an absolute wreck. And he would assume uh, that I was being lazy all day and I was just on Facebook the majority of the day. And sometimes he was right. And but, sometimes she was right. <laughs> but um, what we began to learn is uh, it actually doesn't help us to assume the worst. It actually helps to assume the very best and then to ask questions. And so he learned um, to come home and be like, babe, uh, it looks like you had a rough day. What, so what happened? And then sometimes I could tell him, I know it looks like I didn't do anything around the house, but we live with house wreckers. And every time I clean it up, they don't, they take it out. And, or, you know what, the kids were a mess. They could not handle their life today. So I did a lot of counseling today on the couch with our children. And that means we didn't get the house clean. And um, so that just helps to just ask each other questions and assume the best and not the worst. And then when they tell you the things that you are missing, take that into account and realize those things matter in those situations just as much as what you're observing, what they're experiencing, what they're going through, and the actual realities of that situation matter from both people's perspective. So again, less intense means you avoid anger, you speak kindly, and asking questions is a good way to help those conflict scenarios become less intense. Third way, unifying. Again, sometimes we get some pushback on this. How can conflict actually be unifying? How can a goal of our conflict actually become closer and more united together? Uh, one of the ways that we do that, we always start with we and us, not I or you. 
Okay? God has created us and uh, allowed us to be in this marriage relationship where two have become one. When we start with we and us and not begin with I or you, that helps tremendously in remembering that we're on this mission together, this goal together. The us includes not only us, but sometimes with our kids. This is what we're doing as a family. This is what um, it looks like to be a part of this family. Starting with we and us helps us to, to look that. Uh, one thing we're learning in relation to this is that unity always trumps disunity. Okay? Now, there are areas where it's time to pull out um, God's Word and, and to point to scriptural disobedience where unity is not the matter. But in a lot of areas, Scripture just does not give us a lot of specifics for how to handle every situation. In those ways, what Maggie and I discovered is that when we can be united, unity always trumps disunity. Being on the same page is always better than being apart. Move towards each other even when it's hard. Okay? And it is hard. When conflict's there, when you're wrestling through something, moving towards each other is sometimes the hardest thing to do. But when we can do that, that actually helps us in incredible ways. Uh, valuing relationships over the results, okay? I care more about you as a person in our relationship together than getting what I want out of this situation or having the outcome goal that's best for me. The decision that's made should always bring us closer together. That's something that we can both celebrate. Okay, even if we don't get our way, and there's lots of times where Maggie doesn't get her way, or I don't get my way, or together, neither one of us get our way, but we're coming together, we can always celebrate the fact that in that decision, and in that conflict, and the results that came out of that, we are moving towards God together. That can be something that we always celebrate together. So again, what we're discovering is that unity always does trump disunity in these areas of conflict. Anything you want to add to that? Um, one of the ways that we do that is you begin by being reasonable. So um, sometimes in our marriage relationships and our family relationships, we have expectations that are completely unreasonable. Okay? I entered with a set of expectations uh, for Maggie that she would begin our married life um, in some of the ways that I had seen modeled in my household when she's a very different person uh, and I'm a very different person than, than my parents were. Um, and my mom had had a lot more years uh, to develop the skills um, and had a different uh, environment uh, than she had. So I was beginning to put things into place that were unreasonable expectations. Maggie had some of the same. I'm a very different guy than her dad. Her dad's a very mechanically oriented, fix-it type of person. I am not. So um, we've had to learn in this relationship that being reasonable helps us actually stay together and be on the same page. I was sharing this message in, in Minnesota. Somebody gave me uh, this comic strip. I love comics as a kid, so I love this picture here. Um, if you insist on redecorating, all I ask is that you don't spend more, any more than $20, okay? Uh, grandfather, uh, God's grandson in the room, great impact of legacy. He's going to leave him here in these moments. And ask, don't ask me to do any heavy lifting. And no frilly frou-frou decorations. And what he leaves his grandson is this. The key to marriage, getting along in marriage, is being reasonable, okay? Um, I believe that is a key, but he's not really modeling and, and demonstrating that out. In our marriage relationships, the more we can be reasonable with our expectations, um, realizing that there's a full picture here that we don't always get to see helps tremendously. So my, uh, one of my mentors told me one time um, when I was asking her, like, what do you do with your expectations? Because I can't get rid of them, you know? And um, she said, all of us enter into marriage it's like we have this paper, and on this paper we have um, drawn this image of what we believe our spouse is or is supposed to be like. And she said, as you go along in your marriage, you realize your spouse actually doesn't look anything like that image that you drew and you brought with you. And she said, we have a choice. We can either hold on to that image so tightly and shred our spouse to pieces 
or we can shred the image that we bring with us and we can um, accept our spouse. It doesn't mean we don't challenge each other, but it helps me um, sometimes I have that picture to just kind of let go and see my spouse where they are and stop suffocating him and strangling him, you know, with all of my expectations. Sometimes, again, you can see it from this comic strip, but sometimes we have unrealistic expectations based on our financial situation. Can we put and project on things that we expect to have done that just is not reasonable based on that? Based on person's workload, sometimes we would have expectations. I would have expectations of Maggie for things that she would be able to get done throughout the course of the day, uh, but I didn't fully understand her workload for the course of the day. Same for her and myself, and then our personality is a big part of that as well. How God wired us um, sometimes is important to consider in being reasonable in these ways. Third and final way that it actually uh, we become unified in our conflict is we have to seek God's help. Okay? Uh, we're going to keep pointing back to this. We cannot do these things on our own. What we're discovering is the conflict that we have um, is, is taking us a lot of time to work through because we're very different people. Uh, we're very prone to fall back into our fleshly habits. We've got an adversary that wants to tear our marriage apart. Uh, but in these ways, when we seek God's help, he's able and faithful to provide it. Again, as we shared the other night, give room for the Holy Spirit to work in your spouse. Okay? Allow God that space to be able to work and change and move and work in their heart. Giving that room uh, helps tremendously. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given him. If you're struggling... This passage simply tells us you can ask God for wisdom and he wants to generously give it to you. The hard part is not him giving it to you, it's you being able to receive it and then respond for it. And sometimes it's even hard just to ask for it because we're pretty prideful people. But we need to realize that God's got a better plan, dreams, ideas for these things. If we lack wisdom, we can just ask him and he will generously give it to us. Yeah, I think that you know, I give credit to God for helping us stay best friends because we get stuck a lot. Um, and there's sometimes where I'm like, oh, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. But thankfully, we both have the Holy Spirit. And um, I know I quietly ask God, God, how are we going to get out of this one? How are we going to move past this thing? And I trust that Brent is over there praying quietly when we can't even talk to each other yet. And you know what? We both, we all, as we separate and we ask God and we kind of move toward him, it's like this triangle as we move toward God, we end up back together again every time. And so, um, like Brent said, it just takes humility on both parts. And I know there's some singles in the room. Just an encouragement, like, um, find, wait, wait and find someone who has that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Because if they begin there, it'll be so much easier to come back together again every time. So again, the idea of unifying, uh, remembering this, that God is not a God of confusion or chaos, but a God of peace and clarity, okay? If you're both following Christ, um, both in uh, confession of Jesus Christ as Lord, but also allowing his Holy Spirit to guide and direct you, he will bring you to the same conclusion because he's not a God of chaos or disorder. He's a God of peace and clarity. Relying on him to help guide you through this is the best way that we can do that. Again, thinking about the best about our spouse, so remembering the things that they bring into a relationship that's beneficial and helpful, not the things that are negative, also helps us in these ways. I love this passage. Think about what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, 
excellent and praiseworthy. Think about those things is a key part of that. Our frame of mind goes a long way in helping us resolve conflict. If your frame of mind together is we want to be unified in this conflict, we want our outcome goals to point us back to Christ and to glorify Him, that's the best way that we can do this together. So you seek God's help. You have a frame of mind that says um, we want to make God look good. This is the fourth point. The goal of good, healthy conflict resolution is to actually bring God glory. How can conflict bring God glory? Um, I think God's first purpose for making us was to reflect His image, right? It's all about Him. Everything in our lives, individually and collectively, is all about giving God glory, reflecting His image. It's all about Him. Keeping that in mind helps us to remain humble, keeps pride from creeping in. Okay, the biggest disconnect for us that we found that keeps us from walking and resolving conflict is our own pride. Um, When we think that it's about us um, and not about God's glory, that's the biggest thing that keeps us from that. So as we think about making God look good, it it keeps us in a place of humility and puts Him first. Must remember again that we have a real adversary, okay, who wants to destroy, seek, kill, and destroy, and conflict is a really good way for Him to do that. One of the best ways that he has to seek, kill, and destroy us individually in our marriages and the whole entire world is conflict. Um, There's ways that you know that you've seen him do that in your life, in the world around you. We must remember that we've got a real adversary. As we think about making God look good, it puts that in proper perspective. Um, He wants to distort God's image, so he tempts us often with conflict. Again, how can we make God look good in these ways? We're very, as men and women, created very differently, very different personalities, different bents. None of us Individually, Maggie or myself or any one of us gets to fully represent God to the world, okay? We're a picture, but collectively together, we represent these different pictures and images of what God looks like to the world in our different gifts, in our different abilities, in our different personalities, in our different bents. um, We realize that we are different. God created us different. None of us fully gets to represent God to the world. The more we can get along with those that are not like us, And Megan and I are discovering increasingly, day by day, that there's more different than we even thought. The more we can get along with people that are not like us, the better picture we can give the world of what God looks like through His body, the church. And don't you think the world needs more of that picture today? Okay? In a world that's continually bombarded with images of conflict, of disorder, of not having harmony together, doesn't the world need a better picture of that? Because when we're able to work through differences quickly, calmly together, it shows the world a picture of peace that only God can bring. We have to remember that the goal of making God look good, the goal of our conflict is to remember it's all about Him. Okay? We can actually, when we're moving towards Christ together, when we're walking through these steps, be able to tell a story of scenarios that we walk through together that seemed hopeless. It seemed like we'd never get there, but when we make it all about God and His glory through His bringing peace to our relationship, through us helping us get on the same page and how radically different we are, it gives God incredible glory in the world. Again, I think the world needs a greater picture of what that looks like today. So again, what we're finding is that the goal of this relationship is not to fight with each other, but to fight for each other. And when we keep God at the center of that, um, there's nothing that he can't help us overcome together because he's a God of peace that wants us working together in these ways. That's our challenge for us today. I uh, put on your uh, handout there a conflict chart. Um, I want you to think about where you're at on this spectrum of frequency and intensity related to conflict, okay? Um, where would you categorize right now in your marriage relationships, or maybe it's a family relationship or another relationship that you want to grade out there, uh, maybe it's in general, where would you say that you're at regarding occasional 
and continual conflict. Notice I did not put on there no conflict, okay? Again, that's not the goal. Um, I think that's not a healthy perspective, but where would you rate yourself out on that? I think if you do that together as a couple, kind of make sure that you're on the same page about that. Maybe there'll be some new conflict as you dialogue about that. But again, the opportunities are there to grow towards Christ together. And then how would you rate your intensity, high intensity or low intensity? Um, A great uh, way to apply that. Um, And then here's a couple of questions I want you to ask yourself to put your life in action here before the break. What am I looking for most often when conflict arises? When you find yourself in a conflict scenario, it could be with your spouse or your kids or your grandkids or coworkers. My gut is um, it's going to be the same across the board in general. Are you looking to win? Are you looking to uh, avoid? Um, Are you looking to let others win? Or are you looking to let God be glorified in that And then the second question is this, if someone saw me in a conflict situation, what would they perceive about God? Somebody came into your uh, next uh, family uh, conflict area, your marriage uh, area of tension uh, that arises or in any kind of conflict that you find yourself in, if someone saw you in a conflict situation, what would that give them? What picture would they have about God through that? I think those are good questions to ask. Um, We're going to take a break here. I'll pray. I have Maggie uh, pray for you here. Uh, We'll take a break up until uh, 10.55. Again, there's uh, some snacks out there, some coffee as well. And then uh, remember, you've got your question forms at your table as well. There's a basket in the back to drop those in. want to answer any question that you have related to these messages, anything we've been sharing this week, anything in the areas of your marriage, parenting, grandparenting, family lives, uh, home lives you want to talk through. Drop those questions in the basket there at the break, and then we'll address those after our third session here in a few moments. But Maggie, why don't you pray uh, for everyone here? God, I'm thinking about that lady in the Bible in the New Testament. She prayed like the shortest, simplest prayer, but it seems appropriate. She was just like, Lord, help. And so that's what we ask for. Jesus, help us. Um, We want to be best friends with our spouse. So just help us to move toward you and toward each other. In Jesus' name, amen.